I want to introduce you to another fabulous podcast called Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller. It's all about women rising up, the quest for equality, and how social change happens. Believe me, I've been on her show as a guest, and Lauren not only makes it fun to talk about the tough stuff, she wastes no time getting right to it. Right now, you can hear from legendary activists like Gloria Sinem and Eve Ensler, to policymakers fighting for family leave and basic income, to Shannon Watts and how she fights like a mother for gun sense. You get honest, powerful stories of how change gets made and come away with new ways to respond to all the problems that the world throws at us. To hear how women rise up and hear how radicals do it, go to Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, NPR One, Stitcher, and all the podcatchers and subscribe to Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller. Hey, it's Reshma, and you're listening to Brave Not Perfect. I hope you're nice and rested after your challenge from our last episode, because this week, we're going to have some fun. But you need to bring your bravery. One thing I've noticed is women, we're missing out on a lot of fun. I definitely am. If we're bad at something and it doesn't come naturally, we usually just don't do it. Even if it's a hobby we think is really cool or something we could enjoy. Because the thought that we could be bad at something, it zaps away all that joy. And I want us to learn how to let go of that. Because you know what? All those men you see playing golf, they suck. I promise you, they suck at golf and they don't care if they suck. They're still out there doing it because they like it. So this week, we're going to talk about pure, blissful joy. The joy of letting go and just enjoying something you suck at. You'll hear from the author, Karen Rinaldi, who's spreading a good word about how great it is to just suck at something. It's like an addiction for better and worse. You're just going, I have to do this. Plus, I take a trapeze class, something that has scared the hell out of me, but I've always wanted to do. Oh, no way. I can't do that again. (laughs) Why are you talking like a baby? It was so scary. And we're going to talk to my friend, the incredible activist, Paula Mendoza, a filmmaker who also co-founded the Women's March. And we have to be able to gather our strength to fight the big battle, which I do think is looming. And yes, you've got another bravery challenge coming your way at the end of the show. So let's get brave. I took my first surfing lesson not too long ago. And here's the thing. I'm really bad at surfing. I can't stay upright on a board for more than 10 seconds. But it's thrilling. And I felt so free. It's so joyful. I'm totally going surfing again, even though I'm probably not going to be much better. I don't think there's anyone who understands that better than Karen Rinaldi. She's the author of It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Can Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. I loved meeting with her, and I'm so excited to share our conversation. So maybe we start by talking about surfing. I'll talk about surfing all day long. Okay. Though the book is not for surfers, it's for everybody. People bring to it whatever they yeah. suck at. So um, I surf. I surf badly. I surf as much as possible. I started late. I never got good. I'll never get good. Um, but I've been surfing for 18 years. So what when, What inspired the first <laughs> so, lesson? So 
it's all it, it. Some of this is in the book, um, the kind of Genesis story. But I always wanted to surf, and I was always afraid to surf. So I'm compelled by the ocean, and I'm terrified of the ocean. Okay, just it's this. Push, I push, totally push. feel the same way. Okay, push right. pull. Right, right. So totally feel the same like, way. I want to be in it or on it or near it, and then when I go in the ocean, I have to admit that when the waves are big, when things are happening, I can get terrified. And I would have these recurring dreams when I was a little girl. I still have them. And it's a dream nightmare sequence. The dream is a big wave comes. I become one with the wave. I can breathe underwater. I relax. It's the most amazing feeling in the world. The nightmare is the wave comes and there's a structure behind me. So instead of being able to relax and become one with the wave, wave is coming and instead of becoming one with it, I'm going to die. But anyway, I've had these dreams my whole life, which meant whenever I was in the ocean, I sort of not would enact this, but like that fear and yeah. exhilaration would would be cousins while I'm in the water. So I've always wanted to surf, but I was too afraid to try. Right. It just terrified me. And so you're having these dreams, and then do the dreams make you want to learn how to surf? Or they're like, you kind of put it together once. You- yeah. I mean, you know, I'd look at surfers and you'd think like... Yeah, I know. know. They're so beautiful. That's so beautiful. beautiful. It's It's so beautiful. I agree. It's like, who doesn't, I mean, not who doesn't, because I know a lot of people who (laughs) don't want to be out there. But it was one of those things where I think, I just, I want to be out there on a board. Like, I want to try it. So I was too afraid. And then I had children. So this is completely counterintuitive, but it's the way it worked. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to try to surf. I I need to do this, right? I need to try and then get over it and then then move move away from it and never have to think about it again. And then, of course, what happens is I, I I try and you love it. Well, something plugs into my body, and I think this is what it's like falling in love. It's like an addiction. I don't. It's probably you know for better and worse. You're just going. I have to do this. So then I start. So I was 40 years old. Yeah. It was way too late. I was not in good shape at the time. And a, it was not easy. B, I was not a natural. You know what I mean. Yeah. But I just got that. You it liked was it. That, it, yeah, was that totally. thing. it was that. It was that feeling. I, I and, and I know. Especially when you get who your get feet it. on the board for the first time. I, I felt. I feel that way too. And, and you're, you're like, and this you can is still so remember cool. that feeling. You're yeah. thinking, this is this is what yeah. it feels like. I, I'll spend the rest of my life pursuing this yeah. feeling. So I started. I started saying, okay, I'm going to do this thing. But it took me. That was again the summer that I turned forty, and I'll be fifty-eight this summer. And it took me then five years of trying to surf before I could actually surf. Yeah. And I don't mean, I mean, I could ride the whitewater and you can yeah. stand, you could do all that stuff. But I mean to like paddle into, drop into a wave, turn, ride the face, yeah. ride sections. Yeah, I can't know. do any of that like, yet. Okay, so that took me five years yeah. to learn how to do. And it's, it's so I it just got in my head that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, because I was happiest when I was at least out there and trying. Yeah. And then once I caught that real wave... And it was absurd. People would watch me trying and say, why do you do it? Why do you, yeah. why do you bother? Um, and I was like, I just want to be in the ocean. And So what I find so fascinating, Karen, is that it's not like the first time you did it. You're like, wow, like I'm riding this wave and I am I had built this thing up to be something and now I'm conquering it. It was you the actually, opposite. <laughs> you were, but, but there was something about the experience. Well, the humbling part of it. We're masters of, we want to be masters of our universe. You know, we, we're all about it at work. We run things, we drive things, you know, we're parents. And when I got out there and I tried to surf, it was, it kicked my butt. It still kicks my butt, but I don't have to be the master of it. Mm. And so the humility of saying, whoa, this is harder than I thought, which is, and you realize 
that really could be applied to anything new that you try, writing a book, you know, publishing a book, um, whatever it is that you're going to do. And I liked that feeling of newness, of having to try, having to have some self-belief, of getting rid of the critic in my head that Mm -hmm. says, I mean, ironically, that says you suck. My point was to turn that, well, you suck to it's great to suck at something, Yeah. right? It was like basically a reframing of it. And that kept me going. I mean, listen, I connected somehow with the ocean and there's nature and there's all that stuff that's going on. But there was something in it that I didn't have to be good at it. So what do you do and try to do where you don't have to be good, but you're going to enjoy it anyway? And I just, that blew my mind. That equation blew my mind. But I want to get better. To be so clear. what's the word for it? So I, I call this mediocrity. Yeah, that's a right? good word and for I, it. And the swim was like, that's a horrible word. But I was like, no, that that's right. Like, what is wrong? Uh, you know, I love there's this great croak. Like, if we could all just be, if we could all have the confidence of, of mediocre white men, we'd feel so good. But that's kind of it, right? A lot of people go through life just being mediocre, and that's good enough. But for many women, you couldn't call me a worse name than that. Right. And it's shifting that mind. Because that's basically, you're a mediocre surfer. At best. <laughs> but you love At, it. I love it more than anything else I do. The book came out of years of trying and failing and then succeeding a little bit and then succeeding a little bit more and then failing again. I mean, I even, I get breast cancer and I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to fare. And it's like, I'm going to have to start all over again. You know what I wanted to get strong for and what I wanted to get better for besides my children, of course? I want to get back on the board. All I could think about was just, I just, I, I have to get back on the board. And I wasn't good. I was mediocre. And I thought, I want to live so I can do the thing that I'm mediocre in. And everybody says, like, that's kind of insanity. But it's like not. It, yeah. Because my point was, I know I'm not going to be a good surfer. I don't have to be a good surfer. But I can enjoy it and find the beauty yeah. and the freedom and the effort and the exercise and bonding with nature and being in the lineup with my friends. And that's amazing yeah. to have that feeling. And part of it is, I mean, it's so fun. And it's men get this, right? I mean, sorry, President Obama, if you're listening. But, like, you know, this is how he feels about basketball. You know, he loves basketball. He's not LeBron James. No, but, you know, doesn't need to be. How men feel about golf. Oh, golf comes I, up all in every conversation time. I have right. because being good at golf is kind of impossible yeah. unless you're a master, yeah. right? And you yeah. probably even still suck at it. But there are men like who are too. running to the golf course every weekend and you know they're mediocre at and it, they're but mediocre. they love it. So they, they understand. I'm like, I'm sitting here at 43. I, I don't have any hobbies. Like when you, you just surf, said, but you no, surf. I surf now. I am on an exploration for my joy, right? But I didn't have that before I started writing this book. And I think a lot of women don't have that. Like if you ask them, what's your hobby? What's the thing that you love to do regardless of your skill level? I think a lot of it is that women are taking care of people. They're taking care yeah. of things and they don't leave time for self-care. And then even I think self-care has become another obligation because the self-care is about making sure we're thin enough and our hair is, you know, the right way. And and we're taking time to like put our makeup on or do our, the self-care is still about our external selves, not about our inner selves. So um, you suck less at surfing. What's (laughs) another thing that you're going to take on that you're going to, that you suck suck at? at? Uh I've been wanting to, and I haven't done it yet. I want to sing. I love, (sighs) I mean, singing makes me so happy and I'm dying to sing. And like karaoke sing? 
No, I want to take singing lessons. And I don't want to perform. I just want to be able to sing. I mean, I sing all the time anyway. I walk around singing. Yeah. So I will sing, but I'm always off key and I don't yeah. know how to sing on key. And and I remember a moment and I and, and how I tapped into this because I'm following my own advice going, well, okay, so what else are you going to suck at? And I remember being in concert choir when I was in high school. And we had... Uh, a very flamboyant, amazing uh, choir director named Gary Miller, who wound up being the director for the gay men's chorus in New York City in the 80s and 90s, I think. And I remember singing one time. We're in the room and we're singing and my voice was just, I, I don't know what happened. Like my voice just nailed it. I like, and I could feel it. I could feel the, the vibration, the resonance. I was on key. It was powerful. And Gary was like walking around in front and he heard it and he said, whoever that is, whoever that is, who is that right now? You're on it. And I knew it was me and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. And I stopped and he goes, what? He didn't know who it was because it was in a sea of voices. And he said, why did you stop? Whoever it is, don't stop. And I got so nervous. My voice just, it just stopped. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't sing for the rest of the song. And it was like, I and all I wanted was to be a good singer, and I was terrified. I thought, oh, my God, he's going to pull me out. This is what I was thinking. He's going to pull me out of, from my friends and ask me to sing, and I can't do it because I'm too scared. So I go back to that, and I think, I need to now have someone I want to be tra- trained. When does that memory come up for you? In what moments do you feel like you think about that? Um, well, when writing this book, when I was thinking about what I'm trying to understand, like what happens? Why do people stop things they might even be good at? What stops us? And as I was thinking very hard about my own fears and my own inhibitions, because I'm I'm not a shy person, yeah. like I'm not, but I'm not comfortable with vulnerability. And yeah. surfing is a place I feel incredibly vulnerable. And I went there, and I well, what? Where else in my life has I? And I would go back and say. That. That there was, was that moment too. with Gary Miller when you had the, and you didn't go for it and you have been thinking about thinking it. about it ever since. I, I feel like I I denied myself yeah something and you regret it that would have been really awesome to pursue. Not that I would have been a professional singer, no. but just to know how to do it. Right, that's all. And to know what could have happened, what it could have, what it could have should have. What it could have should have. Right? But it's not like my thing. It's like you know, don't take up guitar because you want to be a rock star. Don't take up surfing because you want to be in a contest. Don't tar- take up you know, do it just to be able to do it. Yeah. Thank you for this awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you. This is so great. Hey, it's Ashley. I'm the producer for Brave Not Perfect, and I have been having a blast this season tagging along for all of Rashma's bravery challenges. This week, we're going to trapeze school. And you know what Rashma didn't tell me before I signed her up for a class where she would have to jump from a platform about 30 feet off the ground and swing through the air while hanging from a bar? See, I have a serious fear of heights. I actually got a gift certificate to do this, 15 years ago, and I've like been putting it off. Now I know why. Oh my god, I have a heart attack. Yep, and this class isn't just about jumping out the platform and hanging on for dear life. No, the first trick you learn at Trapeze School New York involves hanging upside down on the bar from your knees. Okay, one of the teachers is getting ready to demonstrate the trick for the first time. Let's see what Rushma thinks about all this. Oh, shit. See, that ain't happening. Yeah. <clears throat> no way. Ah. I thought, 
that someone's attached to you when you do all this stuff. Dude, no way. So I'm not doing that. There's no way. I don't feel like I'm thrilled. <laughs> well, we are just going to have to see, aren't we? It's Reshma's turn. All right. She just got to the top of the ladder and... <clears throat> okay, she's like crouching on the platform. I think she's too scared to stand upright. Okay. Okay, she's standing up. Okay, and she's reaching for the bar she needs to swing from. Oh, no, nope. She's pulling that arm right back. Okay, but actually reaching for the bar for the first time is terrifying because you have to shift all of your weight beyond the platform and grab a bar that's just out of reach. And the only reason that you're not falling off the platform is an instructor is holding on to your safety harness. Okay, now we've got three instructors up on the tiny little platform trying to help Reshma jump off. It's been about four minutes, and I'm starting to think she might not jump. And I'm not totally sure what's happening up there, but she's got her arm, like, wrapped around one of the instructor's necks, and she's just grabbing onto him for dear life. Oh, okay, okay, she's got the bar. She's got the bar. And she's off. So take a deep breath. I want you to stop talking and focus on breathing. You're doing great. She kind of slid off of the platform instead of jumping. But she's in the air now. And wow, she got her legs up and hooked her knees on the bar. I actually used to trapeze a little, and I definitely didn't get my legs up that first jump. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so she let go of the bar with her hands, but she immediately grabbed on to her safety lines because she obviously, like, couldn't just let go. She needed to be holding on to something. How about you stretch for the net? Can you touch it? I bet you can't. Okay. Oh, she's doing it. She's hanging upside down. Okay, wow. That was a pretty good first go once she got off the platform. Let's check in to see how she's doing. That was not even funny at all. I'm never doing that. I had to have nine people help me. (laughs) My whole body is like shaking. My eyes are closed the whole time. I only had to do it once, right? No. No, I'm not going to do this whole fucking thing. No way. You are doing this whole fucking thing. Right now? No way. What is the next step? Now, what do you want me to do? Jump from the ceiling? Oh, no way. I can't do that again. (laughs) Why are you talking like a baby? It was so scary. It's time for Reshma's second jump. Oof, that did not go so well. Okay, it looks like one of the instructors is giving Reshma some pointers, so I'm going to go check out what he's saying thing about anxiety is anxiety like you have no idea how you're about to feel to some degree because you're not letting yourself experiencing Mm. it and the way I know that is you're constantly talking because Uh. it's your way of depersonalizing yourself from your experience because if you are constantly what I do. So the trick with anxiety is your brain is designed to stop you from putting yourself in situations that are dangerous, right? Like it's designed to say, hey, this is a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. My brain is totally like that. There's a reason that it's supposed to happen. Right. But the trick that I have found breathing, specifically trying to push your belly button out by breathing in as deeply as you can makes you feel safe because you don't do that when you feel unsafe. And then exhaling as slowly as possible slows down your heart rate. So in those moments where you're like, either you want to say something or you want to run away, Take a deep breath. See what happens. It's okay if you don't do it. Okay. But like, stop talking. It's okay. hard. I didn't it's even hard. know I was talking. I know. That's, That's so how crazy. hard it is. Okay. Let's see how that third jump goes. Better. Better. 
damn, that was some good advice. Rushma seems to really be getting the hang of it. I did it better. I was less afraid, and I, I did a lot more breathing. And I don't really want to run out of here the same way I wanted to before. Rushma's doing a lot better. But now we're getting to the end of the class. And if you can do the trick really well, one of the instructors will swing toward you while you're hanging from your knees and grab your forearms so you can dangle from their hands. So you think you're going to get caught? Uh, no. But I want to try. He says I can't catch. Yeah, that might be a little dangerous for the instructor. Maybe next time. I'm happy it's over. I'm really glad I did it. I don't know if I'm going to come back. That was really scary. I don't think I've done anything this scary in a long... I don't can't remember the last time I did anything that was this scary. So, sounds like trapeze might not be that something that brings Rashma pure and unadulterated joy. But now she knows. And she's going to continue to enjoy sucking real hard at surfing. Next, we're going to hear from the incredible activist Paula Mendoza. It's just like something totally different that I am learning. It's something new. It's something that has nothing to do with this administration or the political climate. Stay tuned. Are you looking for something to listen to in between episodes of Brave Not Perfect? Or hungry for more brave feminist voices? Tune in to Popaganda. It's a twice-monthly feminist pop culture podcast from Bitch Media. Popaganda's heat season is available now. It explores everything from sex talk to the Spice Girls, and it's hosted by feminist writer, editor, and digital media superstar, Carmen Rios, who has spent over 10 years talking back from the feminist front lines. Popaganda features feminist activists, thinkers, and legends alike, and each episode grapples with the urgency of a feminist future while charting a course toward culture change. Get each episode while it's hot, and don't miss a minute of the burning questions the show explores. Listen and subscribe to Popaganda wherever you get your feminist podcast fix. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to invite my friend, Paula Mendoza. Um, she was a co-founder of the Women's March. She is an artistic director, an incredibly accomplished filmmaker, a writer, an activist. We've been friends for almost two decades. Um, and what I want to talk to Paula about is this idea of like, you know, I always say like, you can't be brave if you're tired. And I think especially now, we are all so exhausted fighting the orange man every single day <laughs> that it sometimes feels like if we're not protesting, if we're not fighting, you know, you have been on the border, I can't know how many times, like, mm -hmm. if you're not doing that, it almost feels like I'm not doing what I need to be doing as a citizen, as an American. But that means that we have no time to rest and we have no time to find joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean yes to everything that you're saying and I'm so glad to be able to be here to talk about joy and to talk about this idea of resting um, because I do and we know this we are in a long battle with our orange man <laughs> the orange man and so we do have to rest because he is relentless and we have to be able to gather our strength to fight the big battle, which I do think is looming. Um, and so joy is very important to me. And one of the reasons why we started um, the Resistance Revival Chorus, which I'm one of the founders of with five other incredible women, and it's a chorus of over 60 women that come together and sing as an act of protest. And Talk about the inception of that. Yeah, so myself and uh, Janice Suss and Sarah Sophie were all part of the Women's March. 
And we were so tired after five months of Trump being inaugurated and there was so much going on. We were exhausted and we all are artists. We were like, this is just not sustainable. How are we going to do four years of this? And it was actually Sarah Sophie who had the idea. She was like, I think we need to get together and sing. And I was like, girl, please. Like, I don't sing and I don't have time to sing. What are you talking about? And she was like, no. And she kept on talking about it. And I was like, Sarah, you go do it and I'll help you out. Like, go organize that. I, I'm, I can't think about singing. And so her, she reached out to Nalini Stamp, who's another organizer. And her and Nalini, and Nalini loves musical theater. They, like, got together one night and they, like, plotted it all out. They had their idea. And so then she brought it back to me and she was like, okay, I have it. Like, let's do it. And then I was stuck because I was like, I told her to go do that and she <laughs> did it. And now I have to do it. And I was like, oh. And we all sat there and we were like, okay, what are we going to do? What is it called? What, what do we want? And we came up with the name, the Resistance Revival Chorus, um, because we're resisting, but it's also revival of our spirits to be able to resist. And then um, there's a poet, Toy Dakote, I believe is her last name. And she's the one that says joy is an act of resistance. Mm -hmm. And we were like, that is us. That is our mantra. And then at that moment, I had this vision. I was like, I see us all in white and I want us to take over Times Square and I want us to sing a song in Times Square. Folks were like, okay, let's do it. And then we went down and like, the chorus has been very successful in the short time that we've been around, and I think it speaks to the need of people needing to be joyful and the need of needing to be restored and also, like you're saying, like resting their souls in order to continue to be able to fight. And not everybody in the chorus is like a singer. Like a lot of folks like you, right? Like Right. Well, I'm only in the chorus because <laughs> I'm the manager with Ginny says I'm one of the co-managers and because I'm one of the founders. Otherwise, I would never be allowed in the chorus because I can't sing. So you'll never see me in front of a mic. But um, we like to say it's musicians that are finding their activist voice and it's activists that are finding their their musical voice. I mean, it's really a beautiful mend of the two. Um, and so we go to the streets and we protest and we've also sung at Carnegie Hall twice, which is insane because we've only, the first time we sang at Carnegie Hall, we had only been in existence for six months. And do you think for some of the women in the chorus, this is like their hobby, right? This is the thing that they do that brings them like peace and yeah, joy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know for me, like, I go to the chorus not to do my activist work. I go to the chorus because it f makes me feel good, because it gives me joy, because it restores my spirit. There are activists in that space. Um, Zakia Ansari is an amazing educational activist, and now she's our, our political director, so she's the one that's in charge of all of the actions for the chorus. She goes in there also. She's not a an extraordinary singer, she would say, but she goes there because it's community, it's kindness, it's women. It's just another way in which we can feel um, like we're doing something, engaging in something together. So you like run around the country trying to save us, especially <laughs> on immigration and the children. How do you, how do you take care of yourself? And you have a, and you have a partner and you have a young son and Mateo, like how, how do you find time for you or do you? So this is a question that gets asked a lot. And to be frank, the past two years in particular have been emotionally very, very difficult because I was at the front lines of family separation crisis and I was talking and helping and scrambling with many, many families that were going through the worst moments of their lives. I remember that summer, it was a, it was a year ago, exactly a year ago, I was on my deck in my house. It was like 10 o'clock at night and I had wine. I was drinking wine. My son was asleep. And I'm scrolling through my phone on Instagram and I like saw my friends that were like having a barbecue or whatever, just living their normal lives. And I got filled with so much rage. I was like, how the f 
can I cuss here? How do yes, little you girls are listening to this? How the fuck are you having a barbecue and the world is falling apart? Like my my reaction was so irrational, but it was so fraught mm. and so filled with rage that I was like, oh, like you're fucked up. Like <laughs> I'm really fucked up at this moment. Um, and that was just one of many things, right? Like uh, soon thereafter was a caravan, and I went down to the caravan. I spent a lot of time at the caravan and saw. Um, chaos in a way that I've never seen. And I've been to a lot of difficult places in the world. Um, I've seen a lot of difficult things, but the the chaos of the caravan was something that I still have not yet processed. So I say all of that to say that this this moment in time for me, and I don't think that I'm alone, is has been and will be very painful, very traumatic. It will fuck us up in ways that we don't even know and we don't understand and or process. And that is only us in the residual because we're not even the ones that are being like traumatized. Mm, we're, yes. I, I have my home in New York. I'm not being deported. I have my son. I have money. I have access. I have education. I'm ultimately okay in comparison to everyone else that is like not at all okay. Um, so how I take care of myself to that point, it is a great privilege that I don't necessarily do as often as I should. And I'm very aware of that. Um, but I have my son who brings me so much joy. And I also, like, I have taken great joy in being out on my garden, though I'm, like, just a beginning <laughs> gardener um, because it's just, like, something totally different that I am learning. It's something new. It's something that has nothing to do with this administration or the political climate. It can't affect really what I have in my little garden. And it's really pretty. So it brings me a lot of joy to see my flowers are so pretty. Tell me about your garden. Why garden? And how did that, did you buy a book? Has it no, I never bought a book. <laughs> Girl, I go on YouTube. I'm like, how do I plant kale? <laughs> how do I plant tomato plants? Um, and YouTube is a fabulous thing. So I have tomato plants. And it's really great because my wow. son also. Yeah, no, we had our first jalapeno that we, um, in Spanish, it's called cosechad. Uh, I think in English it's called the harvest. Like we, what, uh, yeah, it's harvesting. Your first harvest when yeah. it was ready to be yeah. like yeah. picked. P- picked. We picked our first jalapeno yesterday and we put it on the grill. And Mateo loves spicy food. And I was like, Mateo, be careful. Don't, like, he's going to bite the whole thing. And I was like, just eat a little bit. We don't know how spicy <laughs> this thing is. He bit it. And he was like, ah! <laughs> on fire. I bit it. I was like, oh my God, this is so spicy. I have like three jalapeno plants that I'm not going to be able to eat any so of them. So you harvested a very spicy jalapeno. Very. And kale. So we grilled kale which is great. Anyone that doesn't know how to grill kale, you should definitely do it because it's the best way to eat kale. And we have tons of tomatoes and they have lots and lots of different flowers. And I don't know the names of the flowers. They don't have time. I just enjoy and I dig with my hands and it's fun. It's something fun to do with Mateo as well. So why, why gardening? Like how did you pick that? Because I have a really beautiful deck and I like to be out on my deck in the summer it's so the opposite of what anyone would imagine that I would be doing is gardening. So it's just like, I was like, I like it. There's something about it. I don't really, I don't put too much thought into it. I just kind of do. Yeah. And it makes it, I like the idea of making things pretty, like kind of creating beauty with my plants. Last summer, my deck was not pretty at all. So this summer I was very determined to like choose my plants more wisely and make them beautiful. You know, it's funny. So I've been trying to make myself do like these scary things. And I was saying that, you know, growing up as the daughter of immigrants, like my parents told me to always be careful Mm. and be safe. And they were never comfortable with me doing things that they felt like were going to put me in harm's way. And so now I feel like I want to do the risky thing, but I'm like, I'm like so in my 
uh, I can't get out of my head. Mm. So like yesterday I tried trapeze school and I'm literally the only person who couldn't do it. I had like nine people assisting me. Like at the end, like the guy was like, for my safety, I can't do that trick with you. Like it was really embarrassing. (laughs) But the lecture that he was giving me was essentially like, this has nothing to do with your physical strength, this has to do with your mind. Mm. And like, you're not, like what you're doing is you're talking, you're not even listening to me. And I couldn't even, I didn't even know I was talking between the little swings. Uh And so he was like teaching me about how to like get out of your head. Mm. And so I find it like really interesting in terms of like when you're picking hobbies, do you pick the thing that you need for your soul? So right Mm. now you're seeing a lot of pain, but you're growing in your garden. And you're like bringing life when you're seeing a lot of life in some ways like be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's like the thing that we need to pick is the thing that we need to like heal. Well, clearly because you made me cry. I'm that sorry. is the case. <laughs> no, it's okay. I told you that I was fucked up. Um, yeah, no, I think that that is a beautiful analysis of what it is and and – like I said before, I hadn't even thought of it. Like it was just the thing that I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I also think it's like you can't um, – because I understand. Like I sometimes feel guilty when I'm having fun, giving what's happening right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Or like you get irritated when I – but I also realize that in, when I'm in spaces where I am just tickling Sean and we're playing, that sometimes my mind goes to an idea or something mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's almost when I feel the most creative and the yeah. most open. But mm-hmm. if you're constantly fighting, it's really hard because you're you're just it, – there's so much intensity. And so – and I do think that that's what they're counting on. For sure. Wearing us down. And, and in some ways, like, that's why I love this, like, joy is an act of resili- resilience, right, or resistance. Joy is an act of resistance mm-hmm. because it is true that in finding joy, we are going to be stronger to fight. Yeah, and we're finding community. Finding community is allowing us to be strong. Like, the reality is is – authoritarian regimes, and I do believe we're in an authoritarian dictatorship, essentially, they break communities, they break down societies, they change the norms so much that we forget what it's like to be in community, to trust your neighbor, to have a loving family, to 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 to, to find strength in, in, in your child. And so it is by design, and we can't let them um, take away our humanity. And I think that... Um, doing things that are scaring to you, like joining and taking a, a class that is um, the biggest fear that you have is a great challenge because yeah. then you're not afraid to do what you got to do to protect your it's neighbor. True. It's like the everyday acts of bravery, then you can learn how to be strong. Right. And I think I think women need to, and women and people need of color in particular need to be able to have those spaces and find those spaces to like exercise and practice everyday courage for the big moments that are coming. Because mm-hmm. they're, like you said, they're coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, also for allies too. Allies, you know, with all of the ICE raids, people want to know like, what do I do? What do I do if an ICE agent comes, not necessarily to detain me, but yeah. comes to detain my neighbor, a friend, if I see it on the street. And it's encouraging that people are like, yes, I want to do something. But that shit's also scary as fuck. An ICE officer is intimidating and they lie and they scare you and they talk about laws that you don't necessarily know. So we do have to work that bravery muscle. Um, and as people say, and as you say, bravery is contagious. Yeah. This was great. Hey, it's time for your bravery challenge this week. I want you to get a hobby or try something you think you might want to do as a hobby. 
Yep, it's time to do that thing you've always wanted to try, but you're afraid you won't be good at it. Maybe you actually know you won't be good at it. Do it anyway. Maybe you want to make pottery or try yoga. Maybe you have two left feet, but you've always been interested in partner dancing. Maybe you've dreamed about being in a band and want to learn the guitar. Whatever that thing is that calls to you, whether it's something that seems joyful, relaxing, or just plain cool, I want you to try it out. And I want you to recognize you're probably not going to be good at it at first. And that's fine. You may never be good at it, but you enjoy it anyway. And that's what matters. And as we're doing our challenges, not every challenge is going to be right for everyone. So if the challenge this week isn't a good fit for you, do something else that's brave. Something that makes sense for you. Once you've done a thing that calls to you, I really, really want to hear about it. Tell me about your new passion or whatever you tried. You can leave me a voicemail at 347-76-BRAVE. Again, that's 347-76-BRAVE. You can also call that number to just ask me questions or share your Brave Not Perfect story. We might even share your message on the show. And of course, I've got a Brave Not Perfect story from a listener to share with you right now. Just a quick heads up, it's about someone getting help for an eating disorder. You can skip ahead about a minute if that's not something you're in a place to listen to right now. Hi, my name is Sam. I have been struggling my whole life with body image concerns and issues. And for a while, I had pretty complex eating disorder, and I really didn't tell anyone for a long time, um, especially medical providers. And I had a meeting with a setting up PCP, a primary care provider today, and I filled out the paperwork, and then the doctor sat down with me and said, so tell me about your eating disorder. And it was in that moment where I just felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders of, wow, you know, I'm finally telling a medical provider, you know, I'm, I'm okay to say that I'm in remission from an eating disorder and I'm working on it every day. It was, it was a really big deal for me to just acknowledge that with my provider today. So that is my brave story. And I hope that helps others who are struggling with body positivity and self-love. Amazing. I'm so glad you're getting the support you need. Thank you so much for having the courage to share your story with us, Sam. I also want to invite you to a community that is brave, not perfect, all day, every day. We got a Facebook group where everyone shares their brave, not perfect stories and lifts each other up. You can connect with me and other listeners, and it's super easy to find. Just look up brave, not perfect on Facebook. Well, trapezing was such a thrill. And next week, we're going to dive deeper into why building up our bravery is so important. So go out and have some fun, and I'll see you next week. Hey, if you liked today's show, Reshma and I would so appreciate it if you shared it with a friend or left a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people find the show and choose bravery over perfection. I'm Ashley Dejon, the executive producer of Brave Not Perfect, Tanya Zabaronik and Charlotte Stone co-produced today's episode so Rushma could fly through the air. Deborah Singer and Jenny Josephson give us that little push we need like all those instructors helping Rushma take her very first jump. And Bill Lance caught us, basically doing that trick Rushma didn't quite get. 
by taking this episode to the finish line with his fabulous editing. I also want to give a big shout out to the one, the only, Nicole Daniel. She's this incredible social media rock star on our team and has been so essential in getting the word out. Plus, she took some video of Rashma trapezing for this week's episode. You can find that on Reshma's social media, which is at Reshma Sujani on Instagram or Twitter. See you next week.